We'll start this thing. Play the music. What's happening, everybody? It is Thursday, and I don't quite have the energy that Dr. Brian House has, but I'm crawling out from my basement flood and jumping on the show for a change. This is Ben, along with the wonderful, illustrious... Dr. Brian Cohn. Illustrious. I don't know if I've Illustrious. Your uh, like marvelous like magical sh- metal I- manipulator. Yeah, sure. I'll take that. I'll take that. We got somebody we got else guest. on the mic today. We got a guest. How could we yeah, forget we a guest? Introduce yourself, Mr. Guest. Uh, my name <laughs> is Jeremy Wallball, and I am from 419 Forging. <laughs> That's right. The ball, a ball, a ball, a ball of balls. We're going to go balls deep with ball, a ball today. Oh, right. I knew you were going to bring that joke out. I almost, Jeremy, did you get that shit going up through high school or middle school or probably elementary school? Oh, my God. Not so much elementary, (laughs) but middle school and high school, the jokes were nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I there was an episode of this very show talking about last names with with three gentlemen that don't really have that bad of last names but when you've got a last name like Butler or Ball a Ball we probably have room to bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the jokes What's were, going on, fellas? Yeah, go ahead. Good, good, just, good, they bad. Were, they were endless. Um, did yeah, you, did you have a nickname that was born uh, out of the last name? Well, I won't go through any of them, but I will say at one point we decided to sit down and count, and I had over 30-some nicknames. Nice. <laughs> All related to balls? Yes. All right. Everyone. All right. Getting oh, away man. from the balls talk. Let's let's go ahead and talk about Jeremy. <laughs> he's, he's a really great up-and-coming knife maker. Jer- t- yeah. Tell us all about your your up and coming you know story. Tell us about your origin story. How'd you get into knife making? Um, so uh, I was shopping around is around Christmas time, and I'm looking for a new hunting knife, and you know I just can't find one that I like the blade shape and like the handle, and just so I was like, you know what? I've really been wanting to make a knife, and I I watched like uh, oh <laughs> uh, a bunch of YouTube. Um, Walter Walter Sorrells, I watched a ton Walter of him. Sorrells, great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alex Steele, I so you know I spent a lot of time watching those guys, and I was like, you know what, I think I can do this. Um, even uh, Red Beard Ops, like he's got really good like intro to knife making oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it does. So I was like, screw it, I'm gonna do it. So I put together this uh, this file jig. It's just you know like an eyeball and a file on a rod, and so I filed out my first knife. And I sent it off to be heat treated. Found a dude on Facebook, uh, and then you know he sent it back, and I'm at like twenty thou, thirty thou thickness on my edge, and I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this because I don't have a grinder. I'm like, well, I can't file it. <laughs> stainless steel. So I was like, well, I guess I'll run out to Harbor Freight and get myself a one by thirty. And from there, you know, I started watching Brian House. I found him and. I was like, I need a grinder. I won't get into the grinder story because that's a lot of bashing, but I finally decided <laughs> to go with Brian's grinder, got it together, and I was like, this is insane. And I just kept going, and people started asking, and I was like, well, I don't really make knives for 
like anybody else, but I, I guess I could. I got steel laying around and I could and the orders have just been nonstop pretty much. It seems like I get to the bottom nice. of the barrel and then I'll just get a you know five, six, seven, eight, nine more orders and it just keeps coming. Nice. So where where are you at then, uh, Jeremy? Where's your, where are you located? Uh, Northwest Ohio, pretty close to Brian okay. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not quite to the promised land of Michigan. You're so close. Oh, the land of leather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So are you selling mostly local or um, um, I think shipping you know, a bunch? Most, or? most people start out, you know, it's all friends and family. And yeah. I'm kind of at that point where, like, I'm really trying to branch out and, like, like can I really do this? Like, you know. Yeah. You can only sell so much for friends and family, so you have to see mm-hmm. if you can right. sell to those people. And they they're starting to come in some you know orders from like I got I got one from TikTok, which was strange. Um, I've had a couple of people on Instagram message me, so it's 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 coming. It's kind of slow, mm-hmm. but I'll I'll take it. If you had to yeah. put a percentage on it, you know the the point at which I went full time, I was about you know, 20% selling to people who I knew and about 80% of the people who are buying my knives I had never met before, before they started uh, messaging me. Where would you think that you're at roughly? Oh, I got to be like 90% people I know. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So, so I mean, that's like, a you know, good metric, Beacon. I never thought of, thought of looking at it that way. It's just a really good metric. And, and for I'm me, like, I don't, I don't ever think I'll go full time just because of what my day job brings me and I really like what I do for a day job. And yeah. on top of that, like I had I had made a hundred layer random pattern Damascus knife and a lot of people are like, That's that's too expensive. Like how how can you sell that? And mm-hmm. like I, like don't get but me wrong, like, I get it. Like it's it's not cheap. Friends and family though, right? I mean that's yeah. that's where you'll see the change I think because I'd say the same with woodworking where whether it's a cutting board or a piece of furniture or something like that, most people I know are going to scoff at my prices. Yeah. And that's fine. I want them to, right? Those aren't your people. Uh, that's not, they're that's not, not your my people. Yeah. yeah. I want the people that are, that are willing to dump seven grand in a river table. You know, those are my people. <laughs> right. um, but I think that's a natural progression, right? Cause how long how long have you been making knives? Um, it's like a year and a half, roughly. Yeah. What? Man, you're making some you crazy using, shit for a year. You were you were using that file jig like a year and a half ago. Your first knife was a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was. So yeah, because oh this, this this Man. coming January will be two years for me. So yeah, how many so. knives do you think you've made in that time? Maybe 50, 60? Jeez. Oh, You're doing you that that's good like on a 50 knife freaking a week. knives. That that's like good. a knife a week. Oh and, my God. Insane. So I would see a lot of guys, like, if anybody has ever said that to me, like, hey, like, you know, like, you're really good for where you've been. And it's like, dude, like, I, I have a guy that I can go pretty much forge with whenever I want. I have, uh, you know, I... I probably bother so many other makers but i will talk to 
like anybody on Instagram if I have questions and like mm-hmm. I'll give a quick shout out right now Colton Aries the two-time youngest winner of Forge and Fire uh, I was having problems with uh, uh, hidden tang knives and the dude is beyond helpful mm. and I, I'm not sure where he's from maybe like Nebraska or something so it's not like I can just run out and see him but yeah even just over Instagram like, but you're you, right you too learn like so much by just talking to him yeah. Yeah. And you're in that um I don't know, there's that f- there's that phase in the beginning or in the early parts of a new hobby or a new profession or a new job or whatever the hell it is, right? Where it's like that's it's all you think of, right? You eat, breathe, sleep, knife making or, you know, um so I'll be curious to see as time goes on, you get 5 years into it, um I find anyway, the, the longer I do it, I mean, now I'm, I'm into maintenance stuff and fixing things and, you know, all kinds of other arenas beyond just furniture making. But you get to that certain point where you've, I mean, and it's probably experience, right? When your experience builds up to a certain point, it gets a little harder to find that um, passion, you know? Mm. I almost and, think and that maybe, maybe um, I almost think ahead. that maybe yeah. it's it's a natural thing where humans want to be challenged at something and when you're yeah. first getting into it every single little thing is a challenge and every time you overcome yeah. a challenge or you do better it's a huge rush of dopamine where right. you know if you've been doing it for 5 10 20 years that that you dopamine don't get that hit is no longer there so you have to be ultra passionate about what you're doing to still yeah. want to do that you know yeah yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like the the more experience you build up, the less you know, there's not as much new. And yeah. sure there's a, a hundred ways to do any one thing, right? And I and I think I went through a phase it was a couple of years ago where I go I went through this phase where I felt like I was over analyzing everything. And I was, but it was because whatever problem was in front of me, I could see a dozen different solutions, you know? Like, there's a dozen different ways to build, just as an example, a a drawer for a cabinet, you know? People build them all different ways, dovetails or butt joints or this new interlocking miters and all this other kind of happy horseshit. And you start to trip yourself up on, which one do I want to do? But then I think over time, you get to the point where you're like, well, yeah, there are a dozen different ways, but I've done this way twice, so now that's my way, right? Mm-hmm. So just automatically, yeah, drawer box, I, I know exactly what to do. Boom, done. For sure, you know? for sure. That's the so, way I make them. So, Jeremy, of your first, you say, roughly right around 50, 50 or so knives, is it still to the point where every single knife you put out is infinitely better than the one you've put out last? Oh, for sure. And I think the worst part about that is looking back five knives ago and being like, wow, like <laughs> that needs help. Or like, like, wow, that, <laughs> like almost feeling like the guy five knives ago just got screwed over because somebody else has given <laughs> something five knives later and it's like noticeably different or better. And it's just like, well, I mean, but I still think people understand that to a point you know they're like well you know he's only been doing it for so long like you can only be so good or you know whatever so i i don't know i tried to just forget about that 
but at the same time it's like still try to push all this new stuff you're putting out even even though you might feel bad about it because like i don't know people want to see that right yeah and definitely like craig lockwood's lockwood said it best I, I don't remember how long ago but he was talking about how you know when he first started off he was selling knives and every single one was so much better and so much better and he wishes that there was just like a button you could do to do like a, a firmware update for all of the knives that he's right already put out. but you know <laughs> if you think about it those people bought those knives and i'm sure when they got it they were all ecstatic about it and they were super yeah. excited about it so like They've already gotten their, you know, they feel like they've gotten what they paid for. So as right. you're as you're going on, you know, I feel like you should you shouldn't really feel bad for the people behind. You should real just be like, I'm gonna make it so much better for the people coming up. You know, just yeah, look forward it, instead of back. If your standards aren't increasing or improving over time, then a you're doing something wrong right that's first and foremost like if your bar isn't higher with every piece you build whether it's a knife a cabinet a chair whatever the hell it is right you should be getting better at any profession or hobby uh, the thing that i've learned in selling things this was a big learning curve for me in the beginning i was such a perfectionist and i would like hold on to a piece for several weeks before I let it go out, just fussing over the stupidest shit. You know, almost like making it worse <laughs> by just futzing over little stupid shit. But what I realized over time is like, people don't fucking know. They don't have a clue, you know? These people hired you to make a knife or you to build a cabinet because they don't know how the hell to do it themselves. <laughs> you know, so whatever they get, nine times out of ten or 99 percent of the time people are over the moon ecstatic about even yeah, if sure. you think oh i could have done better or oh i wish they had my next one or five knives from now i sure, think it's, sure. it's easy to beat yourself up but so i yeah. have like an I have an interjection there so you you're like you're saying like you know 90 90 percent 95 percent of the people that are getting your knives aren't going to notice these small things but at the same time, like those, it's not like I'm trying to meet their standards. I'm trying to meet like yes. someone else's yeah. standards. So I went, we had sure. a camera in uh, maybe a month ago and there's a journeyman Smith there. And you know, I, so I have some of my stuff to show him and you know, he picks it apart. So the next knife I make, I'm like, okay, what's he going to pick apart? But mm. I'm not saying it doesn't matter because it does, but the people you're selling it to, they're not going to notice. But to right. me, it's like Absolutely. I care more about their opinion than what the buyer's oh, yeah. opinion is going to be because I know that that buyer thinks it's going to be the best thing he's ever seen. Blimey! Come on! Wow, that was freaky. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Uh, we completely lost Ben, and Ben was actually leading the podcast, so the podcast crashed on our side. I know this is all kind of you know, behind-the-scenes bullshit that you guys don't really care about, but we are back. I am leading the podcast. We've got Jeremy still here, and then Ben, once he has better internet, will jump right in. Shouldn't be more in a couple minutes. So, yeah, so we're back at it again. I'm, I'm sure there was some sort of crazy break there. I'm sorry about that, guys, but... So Jeremy, you know, let's let's talk a little bit more about your recent projects. Do you have any knives that you've been currently been working on or just finishing up that you're really proud of? 
Um, so I am currently working on a set of uh, four Damascus, like, I don't know if you want to call them like hunters or like small hunters, EDC, like a little bit larger EDC. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't really figured out how to gauge how much material I'm going to use. So I have these billets of Damascus that I've made, and the you've guy made the forged... Damascus. You've you, first yes. of all, I've seen your shop. I mean, you can kind of talk about the 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 tools that you have available. You're making your own Damascus. Well, or I, we have to be uh, black and white here for a minute. Uh, I when I'm when I make a majority of my Damascus, I yeah, go yeah. to a friend's house across state, and he's got the press and all that. So. The hundred okay. layer Damascus right. that I've made that was not in my shop. Now any okay. of the any of the twist Damascus that I've made has been in my shop. And I don't have a press that's, yet. That's still I mean that's that's not nothing. Twist Damascus is still a feat to make in itself and the the fact that you can put on hey, I made your own I've made my own Damascus, that's better than what I can say. I mean it's definitely a challenge. Uh I've made. I've also made sand my on my own and my house without uh without a press, and that was challenging. But uh, it was a good learning experience. You've got a power hammer, but you call it your right arm, right? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that's what most smiths would have to say. <laughs> so tell us more about these uh the knives that, the hunting knives that you're working on. So they are a uh, they're a, they're going to be a low pattern. So uh, and I'm not exactly sure because I have two billets, and one was around 40 layers, one was around 20, and I'm okay. I'm not sure which billet I grabbed from, but I know that the set that I'm making I am getting from the same billet, so they should all be somewhat similar as far as okay. layer count. But uh, so I I started forging these out, and I I cut off a section of it's like four inches long, is a inch and a half wide, and maybe maybe three eighths, and that was way too much material. <laughs> which yeah, which I'm made sure. me f made me feel a lot better because I was like, wow, I could I probably could have gotten away with three inches, and look how many more knives I can make out of this billet. So that's that's exciting. I'm I'm happy about that. Sure. And is this for a customer that has ordered this set, or are you just making this set? Nope, this is in order. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So have they kind of given you the, you know, hey, I want X number of hunting knives, so just make them however you want, or do they have, like, a spec that you're forging to? Um, he had seen something that I had posted previously, and he said, I want two of those, but I want them in Damascus. And I said, That's, all right, all right. I can do that. So I've been, been forging those, but not today. I wanted to get home from work today and forge, but... Today we had a heat advisory. It was going to be a heat index of over 100 degrees, and I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> not today." Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, we we kind of touched on that. You're you're not full time. You have a full time job that you work on that you know just makes your knife making a part time gig that you love to do. Uh, do you want to tell us more about what you do on a day to day basis on your full time job? So I joined the carpenters union. Uh, about four years ago and so that was an apprenticeship and I should be becoming a journeyman carpenter uh, sometime this year before before Christmas ideally which could be could be a struggle because I got to get some classes in but um, 
day to day we we do a lot of different things you know i might work for one company and we might go uh like currently we're building a bank so it's metal studs you know framing up and then drywall uh plywood in the outside that type of thing or i know i've sent you pictures uh in the past of scaffolding some jobs would go yeah. out and build two you know 200 300 foot scaffolds so i absolutely despise heights like i i am no good if you get me up i can i can like re-roof a house like a one-story house or even a two-story house no problem you get me much higher than that and my legs start going wobbly so you getting that far up in the air with just scaffolding below you is like ugh. i mean i would be lying if i said it didn't scare me uh the first scaffolding job i was on they said all right uh you know, we're going to go up there, we're going to do this modification, we have to pull something out of the floor, there's going to be something coming through. And I was like, oh, big deal, it's like 12 feet off the ground. So we go up there, and he's like, I start pulling sections out of the floor, and then I can see, like, straight down the ground, and I'm like, <laughs> maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but I totally get that. A, a week later, we're passing uh, 20-foot trusses, uh on i-beams up 80 feet and i don't have a problem so it's a pretty much a sink or swim type of thing you either are gonna like it or you're not and i yeah, and just, some of that could just be like the old exposure therapy with you know you jump up that high in the air every single day you just become numb to it right and <laughs> uh some of the guys at work they say you know if you ask them hey like what what heights scare you and they're like well uh anything above what do they say like he said anything above 50 feet's all the same and i you know i said so like why like what's you know 50 feet or you're 500 dying. feet and he said oh because if you hit the ground you're dead <laughs> he said it's below that right, when I you guess. hit the ground <laughs> when you hit the ground you're, you might survive that and but you're gonna be you're gonna be in a lot of pain <laughs> yeah I guess. I mean, I, I was going to bring up those crazy uh, pictures of back in the early 1900s of, you know, the workers who would be up building those giant skyscrapers and they've got no harnesses or nothing like that. They're just walking across I-beams. And yeah, maybe it's just the fact that, you know, whether you're 50 feet up or a thousand feet up, you're dying on impact. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you just got more time. That's to crazy. <laughs> you do have more. Uh, instead of, ah. Uh, <laughs> Those, so most of those. Oh, that's most, morbid. <laughs> most of those oh. pictures you see from from back in the day, with you know guys walking out on I beams. The, those are iron workers, and the iron worker trade is it's, it's a different breed. Those guys are fearless, and they just they just don't care for whatever reason. They are just born different. They yeah, for sure. Walking out on I beams is a lot different than building a scaffolding and you know having things maybe to catch on the way down they got nothing <laughs> they've got nothing and that's just the way it is that's crazy for sure but yeah so jumping back into your knives you, you, i know you were talking about this project that you're starting up did did i hear something that uh you know you're gonna start up a raffle or something along those lines you know i th i think i am we uh about maybe a month ago or so uh uh, the guy I go and make Damascus with decided he was going to have a, a hammer in. You know, guys get together, nice. we forge, drink, whatever. And I started forging out my... My goal was to get a, 
you know, a nice two, two and a quarter inch heel, eight inch chef's knife, and uh, nice. Yeah, couple errors along the way, and it ended up being more like a Gyoto style chef's knife. And there was a guy there selling handle material, so I put together put together that project. So what I what I have now finished is a uh, roughly eight inch uh, Gyoto with like a more of a a modern style handle. Um, it's forged finish. It's got curly maple handles with black G10 pins. Nice. Very nice. Um, I guess, first of all, I, I don't know if we said right in the beginning, you're at 419 Forging on Instagram and Facebook, and if I remember correctly, TikTok too? <laughs> yeah, I am. And uh, so f- it's kind of kind of strange, but I've just hit 400 followers on instagram and facebook about the same time weird huh weird how that just lined up for you for sure because i think i'm i'm right around 2000 on instagram and i'm at a just under a thousand on facebook so it's it always seems like facebook lags behind for me i don't know i don't know what See, that is about but facebook for me is is where i where people contact me like i get a like a lot of sales through facebook Instagram, I use, you know, I share stuff, and it's a lot of other makers, and it's where I go for uh, help. And I, so Instagram yeah. hasn't been a big, uh, like, I don't know how what you want to call it, as far as like advertising or like, like it's just not a for a sale page for me, I guess. But I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without the makers I've talked to, worked with, whatever. So I, I really appreciate any anything on instagram even if it's not sales i'm in the exact same boat where instagram i have more knife makers than customers on instagram and facebook i actually have the people who are you know buying knives on there even though that that number is lower and maybe that's why i'm getting a little bit of a low spot in sales right now but hey you know what it is what it is but yeah i'm totally in the same boat where instagram is where you go and talk with your buddies and you converse with knife makers and i love the fact that the knife making community we say it all the time is so open and how willing to help people as they're um, coming up but man we're we're getting away from this raffle thing tell us more <laughs> about the knife and tell us more about the situation that you're gonna do um I guess I don't have too much more on the knife. I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, I I posted a video. I, I think I posted it on my, like, as a post, not like a story or a reel. Um, so if you want, you can check that out. If not, I'll, I'll make sure I share one. Um, but I think, I think I'm going to do a, a viewer special for the podcast. So I Whoa, think gonna... viewer special for the WFI podcast. Wow, look at that. That's, absolutely. <laughs> Tell us about it. You guys... Um, let's see. So I think I'm going to do, um, we'll do a $10 for the next 24 hours. Well, I guess for you guys, it would be like in a Friday because you guys release this tomorrow morning. So we're releasing it tomorrow morning. So we're recording today on Wednesday. So tomorrow morning, as soon as the podcast go out. So, so what is the, what is the price that it's going to be after 24 hours? So after 24 hours, I'm going to move from $10 a ticket to 15 All right, so everyone's getting $5 off. That's awesome. That's a huge, that's, I mean, hell, why, why not? You know, get in early, get in a little bit cheaper, buy a couple of them if you can. How many tickets are you going to have? 30. 30. So there's only 30 tickets for the first 24 hours. You're going to get them for $5 less 
ten dollars a ticket guys you better jump on that tell us again go over go over the details of the chef knife so we're uh kyoto style chef's knife the black blade it's about eight inches um with a more modern kind of like a swept handle kind of flares out at the end wouldn't be your traditional uh japanese style um it's got a i want to say like a caramely uh curly maple handle and i went with a six pin g10 configuration all right and and the steel on that is damascus that you made yourself right nope this one is mono steel and with okay well that's i mean it's still it's a forged knife i mean 300 dollars for a forged gyoto that size is you know if you sell them all out tomorrow that's still a really low price you know so everybody out there you've got a chance at only 30 dollars of tickets it's a one in 30 chance if you buy a couple of them hell you can you can knock that down really quickly and for $10, how do you not, for sure? I mean, that sounds like a decent deal. Go, what I highly suggest is go ahead and post this knife, your prettiest picture of this knife, post it so people can get a look at it, but don't say anything about the raffle because you're going to let it just be the WFI uh, podcast listeners getting in on that $10 spot, and then on Friday you'll release the the WFI, or the, the raffle at the regular price open to everyone else. All right, that's great advice. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm like, I took the lead on that. Uh, it's your raffle. I don't mean to tell you how to do it, but I mean to kind of lift the veil a little bit. We, we talked about this before, and it, this, this isn't just coming out of the blue. I didn't just, you know, try to take over that thing. <laughs> no, I appreciate I, uh, I I hate learning the hard way, so learning learning from someone who's already done something like this, I'm, I'm all about it. Well, cool, man. That sounds like a really deep, I mean... Again, I'm going over and over and over again, but that seems like a low ticket count, low number price. Y'all need to jump on that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what else uh, What else do you have? So I know that up in a couple months, here in late September, you and I are actually going to get together and forge a little bit in Frankenmuth. I'm we super are. excited about that. I, I, am, I have a few other things on the table, you know, weddings coming up and all that, but I am, oh, cool. I am cool. definitely looking forward I have yeah, discussed. And- I've discussed with my fiance about how I'll be getting my anvil, my anvil stand, and and that stuff up there. And I'm like, I just don't think it's gonna fit my car. She's like, Well, you can take mine, and then you know what? We'll just go together, and then I'll go and visit Frankenmuth. And I was like, Hey, works for me. Even better, come up, spend the weekend up here because I've got an extra spot, or I've got a couple extra rooms in my apartment. Your guys are more than willing to stay. And then what we can do is I'll have my anvil and my forge. Maybe you don't even need to bring your anvil and forge. Maybe bring your forge because my forge sucks. But, um, you know, basically what we can do is have her basic. The situation that we're doing is it's at this fire festival in Frankenmuth. And basically, there's going to be a bunch of fire things going on, people blowing glass and a couple other things. And we're going to be live forging there. And um, the the situation is that we're going to be selling whatever we forge along with having tables of like stuff we've forged previously to sell at the tables. And I feel like if the two of us are forging, we're going to need someone to like, you know, take care of the sales going on because, you know, we're going to be kind of busy with our, you know, backs to the fire and stuff like that to actually turn around and sell at the same time so 
I know that em, uh, my Emily is going to be there selling. Hey, if she wants to come and help us, you know, sit at the table and help sell, that would be awesome. I think I think she would uh, enjoy that. For sure, for sure. So yeah, that's going to be a really fun thing that we're going to do. I think it's what is it? September? It's in the it's in the twenties. It's later in the in the September. I'm not sure it's exactly o- the date off the top of my head. It's it's Ohio's opening uh, day for archery for deer. Oh, so you're missing deer season to come up to forge with me? Uh, you know priorities, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot! I appreciate that. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm gonna have a blast. For sure, for sure. Hopefully, so it's what not else do you have? Degrees. Hopefully, it's Hope- not well, degrees. yeah, late September. It should be down there a little bit, but you know, you never know. So tell us more about the uh, tools that you have in your shop because I know you said you have your forge, you have your your anvil, you have the what what belt grinder do you have going on? Oh, uh, what else except the Brian House Revolution? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> that revolution. There you go. What else do you uh, have in your shop that you use every single every single knife? What is a a, a, a tool in your shop that you absolutely could not part with? Uh, pa- my Paragon heat treat oven. Oh, I am so jealous. You've got a you've got a heat treat oven. Yes, and I'm. You're I'm a part timer. Be... You have a, you're a part timer and you have a heat treat oven. What the hell? That's awesome. Hey, the way I'm looking at it is like, hey, if I ever do decide to go full time with this, everything in my shop will be paid for. I'll have nice stuff, and then I won't have to worry about oh, I got to make a payment on my grinder or make a payment on my oven or whatever. Mm. yeah which that's a good way to go i've seen some guys just jump right into it and they're like oh man i you know i gotta pay bills and now i need to get all this equipment and all this and that and i'm like i mean if you could if you would have it bought and you know paid for or whatever and then be able to jump in like that's a luxury yeah i feel like you know me jumping into going full-time a year ago Looking back in hindsight, I really wish I had another year or so of doing part-time gig work or part-time work because I was in a situation where, you know, working, I was able to pay my bills off of my day job and then everything from knife making, I was just reinvesting into more tools and knife making. You know, if I would have been able to do that for another year and maybe, you know, gotten heat treat oven, got a few other tools, maybe moved into a shop that wasn't, you know, old shed in the back of Emily's grandma's yard, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> there's a few things that I could have upgraded before I jumped in full time. But, you know, I was just kind of dealt the situation I was dealt and I, I jumped into it and here we are. But I feel like you're in a you're in just a perfect prime situation where you you have a decent paying full time job that you love doing, and you're also making knives and just reinvesting the money of your knife making back into your tools. I mean that's that's just a recipe for success. I uh, I I agree. And there's there's days where I'm like, I should get a second grinder. <laughs> <laughs> But you're in a situation where, you know, you could very quickly do that. I could, but I am holding out for this ribbon burner that Brian's building. Yeah, I've been drilling over that as well. That thing looks fantastic. This that I I mean, alright, I, I understand the dude's got a lot going on, but I'm like, I, I, I need it. Brian, I'm like, <laughs> I'm over here 
tap in my credit card like let's go <laughs> so brian if you're listening that's another sale you've got you just need to get this thing live man you gotta just work for it a little bit he's he's, <laughs> he's perfecting it though you know he's yeah he is. when it comes out it's been, gonna be it's gonna be good it's gonna be top notch have you been watching his uh reels you've been putting out all through this uh this prototyping with the with the 3d printing and all that fun stuff yes and there's some days i'm like i need a 3d printer just some of the <laughs> stuff he's coming up with at the same time i'm now, like eh. now remember you can't sell more or you can't buy more than what your knives are bringing in because otherwise you know you're you're feeding the beast you, you gotta let it feed itself you know yeah you, I keep, know. you keep buying all these fancy tools and you're gonna get ahead of yourself Speaking of fancy tools, I'm I'm building a press. You're building a press. Yeah, and that's that's one of my other like factors for hey, I need I want this ribbon burner because my forge is small, and if you know I'm cranking okay. out these billets of Damascus that are you know 18, 20 inches long, it's not gonna fit. Okay, all right. So what kind of what are you doing for this press build? Um, let's see. How do it's I it's it's I'm marrying multiple people's ideas, inspirations, and kind of throwing it into what I think is gonna work for me. So like I talked to Dennis Tyrell and basically got all of the mechanical parts that he's used in his, and then I'm stealing bits from like. Cole Ironworks and uh, Clark Iron. I think it's Clark Iron. He right. It's the the Shit, press that this Brian sounds has. like a Frankenstein you're putting together. Uh yeah, it is. But I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be a solidly built press, and it's costing me a third of what you can get them out there for. But you know, it's wow. it's just like it's just like knife making or whatever other craft you're into. You might you're probably not paying for material. You're paying for their time and knowledge. So yeah, hundred percent. Don't I'm not bashing their prices at all. At all. Just something I want to do. Well, here's the thing. How many hours have you already put into it, and how many hours do you foresee you're still going to have to put into building this machine to get it up and running? Um, I have the parts bought. Uh, I haven't spent a day actually building it. <laughs> well, I'm guessing it's not going to fly together in a half hour. That's for sure. No, no. It's no, not going to have no. hours, hours, a couple of days probably, a few days. See, that's that's where the price comes in. Are you willing to spend a couple thousand dollars and not spend a week building this thing on yourself? And like, how many hours have you spent designing this thing? Uh, there's been a lot of modifications. There's been a lot of chatting with other people who have made their own, their own presses and do's and don'ts and drawing it up and then changing this and changing that and figuring out how your dies are going to work and and yeah it's it's a lot going into it but in the end yeah i think it's going to be worth it well it sounds like it's just more of a passion project for you this sounds like something that you're like hey i like this but i would prefer if it had this from this one you know can we jump into the weeds a little bit what are you doing different about it um I guess, like, I like the uh, idea of the C, like the C press from Coal Ironworks. Um, 
but I like maybe like the way Clark has his dies that go in and I want mine to be um, I have a height restriction on mine because of my garage so it needs to be able to fit within those parameters so maybe I don't maybe I need a, a smaller RAM and or the way the RAM hooks up I think oh I think this could be done a little better there's just just little things I mean I feel like once you look at it you're gonna be like oh that's a coal ironworks press but <laughs> <laughs> well no I'll think it's a ball of ball press you know it's a ball press should I, should I spray paint that on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure for sure but I mean that it's is do, making things like this are you drawing it up in CAD are you sketching it out by yourself are you sketching uh, it out like on paper or, or in CAD or something along those lines um, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, get to that. Well, in, in high school, in college, I spent a lot of time doing like 3D SolidWorks and, uh, AutoCAD. And for a while I started doing like architectural stuff. So like, I feel really proficient with, uh, doing it all on like CAD. But for some reason, when I started with the, the drawing with like architectural or 3D solids or whatever, we started by hand and for some reason okay. doing it by hand is just I'm just like doing it i'm not the best at it because i'm just not a great like art artistically i'm not great but i get my point of, like i don't know it's good for me i just i just like doing it and plus my dad is my dad used to weld for a living and he, they farm so anything that breaks down it's you know dad's fixing it he he knows how I to need well to interrupt and... you for just a second. Um, I need to step away for just a second. Someone just rang my front front doorbell, so go ahead and talk about it a little bit more. I will be back in just a minute. All right. So, so Dad's big into the fabrication side of things, so it it'll be good to you know bounce ideas off of him, and and he can help, and it, it'll be. I just I really like hanging out with dad and doing that type of thing. It's something we have in common. So I think just being able to get together and, and build something like that is just going to be it'd be fun. And I think yeah, part of it is just a passion thing. Like I just I really like doing that. Like if I could have fabricated for a living and stayed stayed around home, maybe I would have or if I could have worked in a fab shop, maybe I would have. I guess it just wasn't in the cards. But I love what I do now, so I, I'm just going to keep going with that. And I think if you you need to love what you do, because if you don't, if you don't absolutely hey, I'm love sorry, what you do. I'm back. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I it was actually a customer dropping off half of a payment, so hey, that was fun. Hey, groceries. Tell us more about. I'm sorry, I, I just missed all of, all of that. I'm sh I don't know what you just said, but hey, I'm sure it was good. Oh, just saying how like uh, just being able to go build that with my dad, him being a fabricator, just knowing how things are gonna work out. It's it'll be fun. Just that's something we have in common. It's just it'll be cool to hang out with him. Cool, cool to build it. Maybe he can get some use out of it in the future. But then I was also Dude, saying, I feel like, like a I feel like an absolute terrible host, just like dropping like, hey, you're on your own. Go ahead and fill fill dead air for a minute <laughs> good but then i got in i got into saying like you know if like how i i could have done a fabricating job or like a tool and die job because i i really like doing that 
but it, it, I guess it wasn't in the cards, but I I stumbled into this carpenter thing, and I, I really like it. And there I mean, everybody has days where they go out and they're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to go to work. So to say that I love every single day would be a lie, but you got you to gotta like yeah, what but you do. I f- I don't know where I heard it first, but there's the rule of thirds where like a third of the time you ep- when you're done with work, you feel like you've had the best day of your life and it's it's absolutely fantastic. That should be one third of your days. One third should just be like, hey, that was a day. You know, it is what it is. One third of your days, it probably isn't going the best. And that's, you know, you're going to have bad days and that that happens. As long as you have a relative, you know, one third, one third, one third, you're, you're leading a successful situation. I say my ratios are slightly off. I have more days where I'm like, it's a job. There's, there's days, mostly like when we finish building something where I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, but luckily, I don't have too many days where I come home and I just want to pull my hair out. So, so that's I, I so appreciate that. I just realized as I ran upstairs because I record down in the basement. When I sprinted off to um, see the person at the front door, I knocked over my water and it went all over my computer. Like, not the laptop that I'm recording on, but I have a, a um, regular computer here. <laughs> it, I'm pretty sure it went all inside of it. I'm pretty sure this computer is going to be toast. Sweet. Plug that thing in and watch it smoke. (laughs) Well, luckily it was built in 2012. It's one of the, it was the first computer I built myself. And uh, this was just kind of sitting down here because it's so old that you can't really play any new games on it. Not that I really have time to play games anyways, but a full like 40 ounces of water just flooded the inside of it. So I'm guessing that's probably toast now. You know, my brother just built a computer, and he talked to me about the parts that go in it, and I'm like, this is how people feel when I'm talking to them about knives, and they know absolutely nothing. (laughs) Yeah, and it was mostly, actually, to get kind of into that, uh, when I built this computer, no, it wasn't 2012, it was probably 2014 or so, because my, my videographer, Kyle, when he was a freshman, I was just getting into playing, uh, or I was just getting into the idea of building computers and he had built a bunch of computers so one of the first things we did outside of of course marching band together is we ordered up all these parts and we built it in my dorm or maybe it was an apartment at that point anyways so we built that and that's what i literally just destroyed with this 40 ounces of water (laughs) throw it in a bag of rice man (laughs) it's like that would have to be literally like buckets of rice uh, they sell them I mean, at Costco in bags, <laughs> like like ten pound Goodness. bags. I'll just take the half payment from a knife that I just got at the front door, and just spend that all in rice to put this useless computer in. Uh, you know rice is cheap. It's got to be like thirteen bucks, and then you could probably I'm, eat it afterwards. I'm just glad it didn't go over the Roadcast Pro because I think Brian would have uh, lost his lid on me. <laughs> Goodness. So let's go ahead. We're about roughly, I'm guessing, about halfway through this podcast or so. Do you have WFI hashtag WFI projects pulled up on your phone? I do. All right. So hashtag WFI projects is a hashtag. If you're if you've been a listener for a long time, you've already heard the spiel. But 
basically if you're making if you're a maker if you make something go ahead and post your po post your whatever project you're working on and put hashtag WFI projects, it will load into our feed and we'll talk about it here on the podcast and give you a little bit of a shout out. One thing that I was actually noticing, or I was talking with Nate from Maximus Knives, um, he has been kind of realizing that we haven't been talking about him, like not been bringing up his, his post. And what he realized is he's posting hashtag WFI projects, but it's not loading into the feed. And I went through and I went through a couple of his posts and saw like, hey, this post was two days ago and it has hashtag WFI projects. It's all spelled correctly. Then I went over to the most recent page on hashtag WFI projects and I scroll back to two days ago and I look all the way through and his post isn't there. I go back. This one was three days ago and I go back three days ago. It's not there. So I don't know what the hell is going on with that. I don't I almost wonder if maybe there's a few people that are posting like that and it's just not showing up. It's super bizarre. Go ahead. If you're listening look at your feed and see if see if that's the case with that and if that's the case we might have to come up with a different hashtag or something else because it seems like it seems like instagram is screwing some people over on this bizarre you know super bizarre you know what's amazing is that wfi projects has over five thousand posts now it's isn't that crazy that makes me feel good like what was it about a year ago i started on the podcast and came up with that idea and it's like it's grown so much since then it feels so good that you guys are like jumping on it so much it's it's crazy it's crazy growth do you want to bring up one real quick yeah i'm gonna give uh some love to a new friend i've made recently uh Antiot river forge uh he has great a post, guy yeah, very good guy he has a post uh he went out and he's got a like a table and a tent set up and he's selling knives at let's see um, it says set up down here by the museum in Entiat Park, and I just I want to give him props because I've only been to one like knife show, and it's incredibly difficult. At, mm. at least for me, I mean, people will walk by, and I had my knife set up on the table, pretty much like least expensive to most expensive, and you could literally watch them walk by. And then you, they'd get to the end, and at the end of the table was my 100-layer uh, uh, random pattern Damascus chef's knife. And their eyes would hit the price tag, and they would just, like, jaw hit the floor, and then just keep walking. <laughs> and it's, like, really discouraging. Well, I mean, have you put that price, and are you, are you thoughtful about it, and you feel like, hey, you know, I've, I've put in so many hours, and the material cost is this, so I feel good about that price? It's not like, it's not overpriced, I'm sure. It was a, four, no, no, I didn't think so, and I know if you go to another maker, and I mean, this is a skill level thing, but still, if you go to, you know, someone who's been doing this a lot longer, their price is going to be a way more. So I'm like so for, so my price was fair in my opinion. So it sounds like maybe that's just not your customer. If they're if they're looking at a Damascus knife and they're expecting it for twenty bucks, yeah, maybe go to Walmart. It's it's not for you, man. <laughs> no, but uh, so you know, props to him for setting up. It, even if it's just a random thing, it's it's a tough crowd. So 
Good for See, him. I think that's that's the like we're gonna be at Frankenmuth. We're gonna be so busy forging on things that we're not gonna have to deal with customers. That's gonna be something that like our significant others are gonna have to deal with. Good because I don't have to watch them scoff at prices and you know <laughs> whatever. Because I I couldn't stand if it. they People start by. If they start scat, scoffing, we'll just be, go, go on, get get up on out of here. We don't need your shit around here. You're not going to spend money with us anyways. Go on, get. <laughs> oh, and I don't, and I, so, I don't have a problem telling people that either, so sorry. There we go. So, Maybe this will just, be fun. Maybe we'll make a couple enemies in Frankenmuth. Don't waste my time. <laughs> Dude, this is going to be so much fun. So I've got Two Birds Blade Works. We talk about him a bunch on the on the podcast. He's got a, a it looks like a chef knife that he's forging out. Um, caption says that it's an 89 layer Damascus. Um, it looks like it's going to be a hidden tang situation because he's got the bolster and then it just kind of like is super short. So I imagine he's probably going to isolate that down and make it an, a hidden tang situation. But it says Would that be, he hasn't. Um, sorry, go ahead. It'll be an integral. Oh, interesting. That's that would be my wow. take on it, and it, and he's done a few before, so it's it's well his. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's, I think he's he's on to something. It's, it's gonna look good. Oh no, I know if if he's building it, it's gonna look good for sure. But I just love the two the two birds sitting on on his uh his hot stamp there. That is just a look. I love that. <laughs> It's wild. I imagine to me. he's gotten a few scoffs from people from the two birds being two middle fingers. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I'm surprised it took Brian as long as it did to to realize what the birds were or like what it had to do with his name. Because I remember <laughs> when he talked about it on the podcast for the first time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it looks like reading into it a little bit more, it's 89 layer Damascus. It says that he hasn't forged one out in a while, so this was a fun project getting back into it. But yeah, looks like a fantastic little chef, not a little chef knife, it looks like a size, really large size chef knife that looks really good. Good job, Two Birds Blade Works. It's got a really nice heel on it. You're not going to be crushing your fingers on the chopping board with that one. No, you are not, that's for sure. What you got next? Well, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Buckeye Engraving because I just ordered my own hot stamp. There you go. And that's in his that's cool. It's in his post. That's what made me think of it. Nice. Let's see. Oh, you you got to look for another one. I'll bring up another one while you're looking. Yeah, go ahead. I've got Moonshine Leatherworks here. He's his. It's another one who has a really cool maker's mark where it's just that that old style jug with the three X's on it. It's just I. It's something about that old timey look that I absolutely love. But he's making a couple of like catch all trays where it's a leather catch all tray and it's got the corners crimped up so that it kind of makes this little bowl shape. But yeah, it's oh. it looks like high quality. Yeah, everything he makes is high-quality stuff. It's always really, really good-looking. And then it also ha- looks like it has a slim wallet sitting in it. So, yeah, check out Moon- Moonshine Leatherworks. Fantastic stuff, and pick something up from him. What you got? Oh, there's so many good makers on here. Yes, um, there is. Last week, did you bring up the guy who made the ring that's on... I uh, it's a is a Zura maker. It a Zura maker, yeah. You brought up getting a ring from him for when your time comes. 
right. and uh, I don't have one yet, and now I'm curious. So what would be really funny, because I had another uh, customer who bought a knife maybe six months ago or so, who's kind of been talking back and forth with me about maybe ordering another one. Today, literally earlier today, he asked me if I've ever made wedding rings, because he wants to order a wedding band for himself. And I said, no, I've never made it. Go check out Itazura Maker because he makes phenomenal stuff. And someday when I have a ring made, I'm getting it from him. So, hey, here's my second shout-out of the day for Itazura Maker. Dude, check out his rings. Get one from him. He's got this, like, Damascus one. And I'm like, you know, I told myself I'd, I probably would never get one. But now looking at this guy's, I'm like, I think I need one. I think you need one, too. Have you checked out his work before? Uh, I... J- today and a little bit from the last podcast gotcha gotcha yeah he makes good stuff and i've talked back and forth with him a couple times he's a really cool dude some serious quality for sure for sure do you have do you have another one to pull out or do you want me to grab another one go ahead so of course as always we shout out bald man knife and tool He's got this little clipper he's been working on. Um, let's see. It's a clipper, 2.5-inch knife, um, S35VN stainless. Comes with a G10, G10 handle. Uh, it's one of those layered G10 handles, so he's got this, like, layered effect in it. It's It looks like either a brown. Is that brown? Yeah, it's some sort of a brown and black layered, but he also has, like, this texture in with the handle, so it's giving this, like, topographical look to it. And it's paired with a brown Kydex sheath, which is just a really classy look. It almost looks like khaki. Really cool combination. Uh, of course, Bald Man Knife and Tool always makes quality knives. And I'm sure he's made it on that True Tilt thing. Holy cow, that thing looks like a game changer. Love it, love it. But yeah, Bald Man Knife and Tool, go ahead and check him out. Do you have another one to pull out? Yeah, I got one more. And this one makes me, like, I just, I like seeing it. For someone who makes spoons to turn around and forge out, uh, it's a fork, like a, like a grilling utensil. Carol Ann Jeanette? Carol Ann Jeanette, we talk about her all the time. I just think it's cool, like, you know, carving spoons and forging, uh, grilling utensils is a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty big difference. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've always, I've talked, we've always talked about her quality uh, carved spoons. And of course, I've talked about it a couple times. She's made a couple spoons for me. I'm making a chef knife for her. So we're doing a trade. I'm super excited to see those, those spoons. But yeah, I, I've seen before that she's forged out a few things. Like I think she's forged out, forged out a few spoons and maybe some sort of a ladle situation. But I think this was the first time I saw her forge out a fork before. Really good work. Uh, absolutely. We, we you know, I've get... got a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So we need to get we need to get some other like like new people posting. Like you know, like I love seeing everybody's work. Like Ben's bites always post. Bald man knife and tool. <laughs> That's funny some... because I just had Ben's bites uh, thing pulled up to pull out next. <laughs> You're calling me out for hitting the same people over and over again. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, they, they post all the time. They do really good work. Like, I'm not complaining. Keep sharing. See, I think this might be part of the problem where it's it's got about 20 people that post all the time and it goes into it. 
But like right now, I'm looking through it and trying to find someone else, and I'm not seeing people who I haven't already pulled out a bunch of times on the podcast. I wonder if it's a situation where only they are posting on it, or just like uh, Maximus Knives, Nate over there, is it that their posts aren't showing up in the feed? Right. You know? And now I'm starting to question that a little more. You know what? I'm going to go over to Maximus Knives and just pull out one of his posts. Oh, I think we have Ben back. Ladies and gentlemen. Benjamin Butler back about 45 minutes into the second recording, which means we're what, like 58 minutes in or so? That's yeah, in, coming at you live, live from the fifth grade classroom. Hey, you finally got pr- quality Which internet. Apparently, has the best internet in the entire school. So we're gonna all right, all right. Gonna see what happens here. What's going on, boys? So we're about we're a good decent way into hashtag WFI project. So oh, let's go ahead and pull ball out. Deep. You're okay. one ball deep into it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So <laughs> let me go ahead and pull out one more from Max Misnies. Um, ben, if you want to pull one out, you know, real yeah, quick, you know, can talk about it. But Maximus, or goodness, this is too many <laughs> double entendres. Uh, Neil over at Maximus Knives, I've been following him along. There's two of them that I want to sh- shout out. He's got this um, heirloom fit little um, shoot. What do you call this? A tanto. Love the way that this thing looks. Really high high class stuff. Really good fit ups. And the other one, he's also been working on his first friction folder. Which looked, I mean, I I fell down that rabbit hole a few months ago and just absolutely couldn't stop thinking about making friction folders. And it sounds like he's going down the same thing where he's he's making this first one. It's a little itty bitty knife, and I'm sure the next one's going to be a few inches longer and a few inches longer. And it's cause just going to be like a whole thing for him. Nice. Look, good stuff over at Maximus Knives. Go check him out. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and a good dude. I this is funny because. I just pulled up WFI, WFI projects, right? And I, I'm looking at a post and I'm like, hell, I recognize that shirt. And it's a post of mine from, <laughs> get this, from August 7th of 2021. Okay. And so we were talking earlier about how some of like Maximus's posts weren't getting into the WFI projects. Yeah, we talked about that. And so it just blows my freaking mind that a post of mine from 2021 shows up in the damn uh top feed but his don't show up at all that's super bizarre i want i mean i would really be interested if if you're listening out there and you're noticing that you're not showing up on the wfi projects um feed go ahead and go and look and see if it's just literally not showing up at all and give me some feedback. Send me a message yeah. and see if, you know, maybe we need to come up. Maybe we need to retire WFI projects and come I up with a not. new. Instagram's I hope not. such re- a hot steaming pile of fucking garbage right now. That <laughs> I w- see, I wouldn't yeah. retire the whole idea of it. We just no. might have to come up yeah. with a new hashtag. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Ho- hopefully, though. Now, did you look in the reels when you were looking for Maximus? Um, no, I've, I always just go to hashtag uh, WFI projects and hit recent. I wonder if that's why, because reels, from what I understand, reels don't necessarily show up in recent. So oh, if it's a so reel, we're just looking at still pictures where the reels are yeah. showing up. And I don't normally hit on reels because I don't want audio to play into the podcast, right. you know? But here's what I don't know. I don't know, like, how are the, how is the reels tab sorted? Is it... You know, chronological 
is <laughs> man instagram is a instagram's Instagramical. a fucking mess right now i don't know if you guys have followed any of the recent bullshit but uh it's instagram's a steaming mess right now they don't have a clue what they want to do with it but mm. let me see uh w5 projects recent and there is uh there's a young man here wcsbr forge uh had the privilege of walking from eli what does it say yesterday i had the privilege of walking eli from houston through making his first knife forged one out of a railroad spike and he did an awesome job I have a feeling this guy will be back in the shop before long so apparently wcsbr forge was teaching a young man here how to do some forging and that's pretty fabulous if you ask me yeah for sure you gotta love to you gotta love seeing new people jumping into oh, yeah. the hobby i love i love to see it and then um riley knife and tool i've been kind of vaguely following i haven't had much chance to even look at social media recently but riley knife and tool has been restoring a hammer it's an old hammer he found when he bought his house and it's a pretty cool freaking hammer what that does, does look cool like punch locks chicago and then in a more recent post i saw that he it's over in the top feed and he got the dang thing done put a handle on it it looks really good I'm going to pull out one more and then we'll jump over and talk. Because we have been here, we might as well talk about your whole situation with the flooding. So oh, yeah. I'm going to pull out this one last one. It's this really obscure guy. I don't know if we've ever talked to this guy before, but 419 Forging looks like he just finished Never up this little little Never Skinner knife. Uh, looks like it's some sort of a, you know, hidden tank situation. I think he's situation. only been making knives for like a year and a half. Yeah, about a year, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, do you want to talk about about this little knife that you made? No. No? (laughs) Not up to your standards? Are we roasting you a little bit too hard? No, like, I appreciate the shout-out. I just not not happy with it. No? Is it sold yet? I I see here that it's up for sale. You know, maybe somebody wants to get in on one of your first 50 knives. Yeah, baby. Um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely available. It's just it wasn't well go ahead i'm i'm gonna push you on this go ahead and tell us about it and then give us a price point in case somebody wants to pick it up all right so going through my bucket of scraps i'm like i am dying to make a hidden tang knife so i found one i was like perfect ground it out started grinding bevels ruined the bevels i'm like all right toss that one to the side picked up another failure turned it into this and I was really happy with the grinds. Like they're really flat. It's really thin. Really straight grind lines. Those are looking. Those are good looking grind lines. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And all free handed. Really proud of that. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Did you say free handed or three handed? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go Jeez, with free. Third hand on those. Free handed. <laughs> um. So. You know what? I, I'd probably be willing to let that go for like 150 bucks. 150 bucks? Whoa, Whoa dude! Come on now. Get Are you gonna give people some sort of a sheath with it? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you want a sheath, I'll throw in a sheath. I 
There's just too much about it that I can't stand. Like, I just want it out. Just get it out of here. I can't stand looking at it anymore. Okay. Nice. 150 bucks. I, I feel like you need to go up to at least 170 bucks if you're going to throw in a you're sheath. Or maybe 175. Yeah. What kind of sheath? Kydex, cow's ass, what? Cow's Michigan crocodile. leather. Michigander nope. leather. We don't, we don't use Michigan leather. Hey, now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Ohio. You oh. can barely get away with saying the word Michigan without being struck. <laughs> Ohio. I grew up in Pennsylvania where y'all were just a bunch of flatlanders out there in Ohio. Flatlanders. All right, whatever. <laughs> you know what? You, you push it. 175 with a sheath. Just get it out of my house. Okay, so check out 419 Forging. He's got a recent post up with it. Guys, if if you're already going to jump in on this raffle for $10 a spot, dude, pick up this while you're at it. Yeah. Why not? Support the guy. Help a man out. All and, right, and before we jump into the big, you know, trials and tribulations of Ben Butler. Oh, you know, let's read the patrons. Oh, we could either read the patrons or we can do a dad joke. We're an hour. Oh, in. let's it's, it's let's do the bad dad joke. All right. Jeremy, yeah. do you have a dad joke today? <laughs> I do. I have a terrible dad joke today. Best dad jokes out there are tale- is terrible. There, is there such a thing as a good dad joke? No, they're all terrible. <laughs> Give it to us. Oh, you're ready for it? Yeah, man. A guy knocked on my door today asking for a donation for the local swimming pool. So I gave him a glass of water. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right, let's jump into the... Unless, Ben, do you have another dad joke for me? Oh. It's all right if you jump. We can jump over no, to the Patreons. I, don't, I jumped in on the podcast, what was it, last week or something, and I don't know if my joke made it, but it was pretty not dad joke friendly. <laughs> but give me 10 seconds. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm just plugging in my computer here. Oh jeez, yo Ben, oh, while you're something with this guy, right? Like, come on. Speaking of speaking of computers, what you missed earlier, um, I had someone ring the doorbell. I jumped up out of my chair to go answer it, and I knocked over a giant gl- uh, thing of water right oh. into my old computer. It went right into my computer, so no! this computer is going to be fried. Fuck. Luckily, it's it's not my laptop. It's an old one that I built back in like 2014 or something. Oh, this thing man. is there's no I way was... at this thing. Actually, let me go ahead and try the, to fire it. I was watching. Oh, the, it fired up. All right. <laughs> we might I'll be hearing you, some dude, sparks over here. Having oh, had no, seven, it immediately died. <laughs> uh, having had seven feet of water in my basement recently, it is amazing what still fucking works once you dry it out. It's well, I just hit the power button on it, and it, it glowed. The power button glowed blue and then immediately went out. <laughs> For sure, just shorted that thing out. It's a piece of junk, anyways. I didn't need it. Told you, you should have got that bag of rice. Um, should have got that bag of rice. Oh well. Wow. I was watching the another woodshop podcast recently, and uh, freaking hilarious, dude. One of the hosts was uh, leaning backwards on his chair while recording, and yep, you guessed it. It broke. Totally fucking biffed it. It was, oh, it was pretty damn funny. Okay, almost there. So, Jeremy, filling in this dead airspace, tell us, I mean, I, I guess, what, what else do you want to talk right. about? No more dead air. We're charged. Okay, Let's great. Read the I was really struggling there. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I, 
I got All right. Uh, this list is up to, I don't, 80 something now, isn't it? It's, uh, it's insanity. It's, it's a, crazy incredible. how many people are. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. So, in no particular order, we will start at the top of the list. Brian Hunt, Paul Balletta, Danny Gallant, Nathan Scott from Nathan's Knives, Kelly from Untitled EDC, at Untitled EDC on Instagram. And then we have at E-R-O-S-E Knife Co. Eros Knife Co. Noah Jacobs from NJ Custom Knives. Ethan J. Taylor. Giles Pelletier. Dustin Shaner, Spencer, Heavy Forge, Aru Bladeworks, Jason Duggeray, D-U-G-U-A-Y, Darren at Stormlight Forge, Coy Baker, Austin Saunders from High Caliber Craftsman, Parble Custom Knives, Jake Largan, Gage Broski, Bremer Built Knives, Brian Hinnenkamp from Tortuga Bladeworks, Ron Hips from RH Maker Solutions, New Forest Forge, Stu Middleton, Zachary Sowell at Pater Nostri Fabrica, Timber Tiger Forge, Chris Magnus over at Timber Tiger Forge, Woodland Iron, Lando Novak, also known as the Abstract Blacksmith. Uh, Adrian Brielle, uh, Adrian Brielle Forge. Kyle Daly from KH Daily Knives. Todd Harrington from TH Blades. Eric Andrews from Sourwood Creations. And we have Sven at Nord Artisan. Chris Larson at The Midnight Maker. Reaper Metalworks, Ira Housewort, Jeremy of 419 Forging. Hell of a guy. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. I've heard of him once or twice. Toby Mural. Not Tony. Toby Mural from UK Knife Maker Supplies. Dustin Ijima from Handmade by Kai. Matt Bicker from DIY Europe. Benjamin Mullins, Wesley Crumb, Matthew Angel, Full Steam Designs by Chris Powell, Zach Byrne from Byrne Blades, Nate Walpole, Echo Blades, Jared over at Echo Blades, Troxclair Custom Cutlery, Maximus Knives, Donnie Dulovich, Thomas Moberg from TMO Knives, of course, the one and only Dennis Tyrell, Leon Shanks from Two Bird Blade Works, Jared Weaver at Weaver's Custom Metalworks, Bex Armory at BexArmory.com, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, the one and only Maritime, Oxford Blade Co., Ryan Chadbourne Knives, The Working Hands Podcast, KnifeMaterial.at, Cardoso Knives, James Hunsberger at Hunsberger Knives, Crafty Man Forge, Crafty with a K, Ken Kemna, 
K-E-H-M-N-A, Kemna, Mark LeBlanc at Papa Hatch Axe, Brian Hooten, Bob at Shed underscore 72, Keith Brennan over at Blackthorn Concepts, Menster Hill Forge, we've got Scott Wilkerson at Phoenix Works, Brigham Kindle, Kindell, sorry, Bob Ryan, Eric over at Overall Maker Works, Jamie Blow, Jamie the Squid, uh, Michael Nye, Noah Bloomberg, Devin O'Hara, Justin Miller, Mark Vanderwerf, and M.W. Steelworks to round out the list. Whew. God, I love all those people. Man. All those people make it so that we can travel to all the different things. I know we were talking about making it to... Oh, Maker, Maker Camp? Camp? Yeah. Maker Camp. Sounds like Brian is going to be traveling, and maybe you're not going to be able to make it because of whatever you've got going on. Man, I'll tell you, right now, the price of plane tickets is yeah. murderous. Murderous. And if you... If you two aren't going to make it, then I probably shouldn't go solo taking money from the podcast. So maybe we can roll this over into some other situation. I also like that idea of of going to Florida. You know, when it gets cold up in Michigan and out here in Boise, (laughs) maybe we just need to do an in-person shop invasion. Maybe just past Christmas after the big old Christmas yeah. rush. And, you know, maybe Fat just when we have negative temperatures, let's go to Florida. <laughs> I like it. It would be, it'd be, it'd be hella fun, though, you know, just to, the three of us together in a shop. You know, like yeah. an event would be cool and all, but, man, it'd be fun just to get together in, in somebody's shop. Be really cool. Yeah, yeah I, gotta, I feel like I gotta, when we do that, we're going to have to do, like, a couple podcasts. To oh, yeah. Instead of just the one, we're going to have to do a couple of them just because we're all together and all that fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Full show. Hey, so, I yeah, gotta, let's let's question. go ahead. We're pro- oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What you got there, Bobo? Is, isn't this podcast sponsored? <laughs> Good job. Do you know who it's sponsored by? I, I'm pretty sure it's Maritime Knife Supply. Yes, sir. Maritime Knife mm-hmm. Supply. Guys, if you guys are a knife maker or if you're making in general, you guys need to jump over to Maritime Knife Supply. Yes, they're all the way up there in Canada, but he is so good at sending things out and getting to you quick. And also you can take, you know, you can take advantage of the Canadian to American, you know, exchange rate where, you know, if it's 20 bucks there, it's only like 16 bucks for us. So it's, it seems like it's cheaper. It's great prices great yeah. guy lawrence lake is a fantastic human being in himself so go and support yeah. him get your products at a nice speedy quick uh, rate at a really low price check out maritime knife supply guys yeah and you can feel good about buying from it from him too you know that's a, you're not buying from some big mega something you know he's such a good lawrence is such a good dude running such a good business and he's like from the community you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you're keeping the money in the circle. The that maker economy that Brian House likes to talk about is very obvious with Lawrence and his business. So, man, we're probably right around a, an hour twenty into the podcast. Let's talk about your flood, man. I'll give you the quick flood update, man. For those that don't know, uh, what it was the twenty second. 
so it's been over a week it's been almost two weeks now um and uh i came home so i had a like a volunteer work night at the school where i'm uh helping out doing some project management and maintenance projects and stuff like that had you know 15 20 people at the school here great night had some you know had lots of help got a lot of work done Left here about 11.30 and stopped on my way home to just grab a quick fast food bite and was just so looking forward to go home, watch some YouTube, you know, just veg out for a bit and crash. Well, I get home and I'm noticing like debris all in the street and wet, like the, the concrete was wet. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? I pull into the parking spot uh, right in front of my shop and the neighbor lady who lives two doors down who I never see, never ever see this woman and it's fucking midnight and here she is standing in my yard and she's like, oh my God, are you guys okay? Do you have water in your basement? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you had a foot of water in your front yard earlier. She said, it was my turn for the irrigation water in the ditch and somebody already had left it on. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, holy fuzz nuggets. So if, you, if folks have never seen it, it this was a completely new concept for me when I, when I uh, first heard about it here in Boise, but it happens all across the West. They pull water out of the river. So the Boise River runs through town. They have a big-ass canal that is probably... 30 foot across by 20 feet deep and that's the main canal and then off of that they have all these laterals and they run down into neighborhoods and down through the city and it, they're all just ditches kind of like the aqueducts you know so there's there's this system of ditches everywhere and then they run all the way out the big the big canal runs way the hell out west and they use it to water crops some farmers flood their fields so they have these little like elbow shaped pipes they stick it in the ditch with the water running by it creates a little siphon and then they just let the water run in between the rows say of corn or whatever potatoes and then it floods and then that's how they water all their plants anyway there is a system in our neighborhood about five years ago i finally stopped paying for the water rights it was really cheap which was the benefit of using it you pay like 130 bucks for the year and you get basically to water your grass otherwise your water and grass was city water and everybody waters out here in pennsylvania not a single fucking person watered their grass but out here where there's no water to begin with everybody's watering their fucking grass it's crazy so anyway somebody left it on which means basically they opened a a uh, head gate you know imagine like a uh a, a like not a drawbridge but you know just a a door that slams up and down somebody opened that thing up and just let her rip well at the very corner of our yard we have a gate a a, a ditch gate that happened to be down which means all the water that came down the ditch dumped into my yard. 
Mm. <laughs> so it happened sometime between three o'clock in the afternoon and midnight. I have no idea when or how long it took, but uh, half of our house has a basement under it. And either end of that basement has a window with a big window well, you know, like a concrete thing that goes down. And they're pretty deep window wells. They're almost four feet deep. Well, when I opened the back door to the house, the water had poured through one of those window wells to the point where it was up to the second step down on a staircase going to the basement that has 12 steps. Mm. And uh, yeah, we had seven feet of water in the basement. The bottom window busted out. All that flood water came pouring in. So seven foot of river water and a fish. There was a fish. A <laughs> and fucking a fish. bass swimming I remember in the basement. You sent us a picture of that fish in the water. It's <laughs> like, go ahead and grab out your pole, my man. You oh, got a fish man. to catch. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? And I'll tell you, dude, like, you don't realize how much shit you have until some strangers come and throw it all in garbage bags and then toss it in your fucking backyard. <laughs> we had so much shit down there because it was basically our storage area, you know? So every hobby we have, all the stuff was down there. All of our downhill skis cross-country skis, fishing, hunting, backpacking, uh, camping, all the shit was down there. Mm. So, so all that's trash. All well, that's be gone. for the most part, you know, so it, it was river water, sure, but it also wasn't in the basement for long. So I called a restoration company immediately. First phone call I made was looked up a restoration company, called them out, Within an hour and a half, they were there with pumps and started pumping the water out. So we got the water out overnight. You know, I'd say about, about six, about four hours, really, and the water was out of the basement. Okay. So, but the policy per the restoration company is that if it's not known to be clean, potable water, so if it didn't come from you know your pipes then they're they have to treat it as if it were sewage mm. so basically anything the water touches per their policy and insurance and whatever else it it basically just all has to go to the dump mm. but so they pumped it out and that was a uh, very early saturday morning and then monday came back and the plan was they were gonna suck the water out of the carpet with big vacuums and uh, then pull the carpet up. Well, my insurance company is still to this day dragging their feet on whether or not the claim's gonna be approved. What? So I still don't have a clue if my insurance is gonna right. pay. Because it was the neighbor who was... turned it on instead of like a natural well, disaster. Well, actually, so the, when I talked to the agent, he said, boy, I really don't know if it's going to be covered. He said, we have several exclusions in our policy for water damage and flood. And one of them is something called surface water. And he said, I think this would p 
potentially qualify as surface water. How could it possibly be surface water? It came uh, from the river. Well, that's what's weird. Technically, it's river water, but it comes to my house as if it were a utility. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, but that's still not surface water. I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I don't sounds, know. I, I talked always, to somebody. As, oh, as always should, you know, an insurance company person is out to screw you. Oh, so yeah. it sounds like this guy's just trying to weasel him his way out of it. Yeah. And I, I haven't heard from them very much at all. The adjuster finally came yesterday, which was, I believe, 12 days after the actual event. And I'm like, <clears throat> you know, I said to him, I'm like, dude, no offense against you. I, I know you just got called into this whole thing and you he was in Montana on some hailstorm assignment or some shit. And I said, you know, no offense, but it's been 12 fucking days. You yeah. know, I by now, if I wasn't willing to roll up my sleeves and do the work, it would have cost me potentially 10 to 15 grand to have a restoration company here. Mm. You know, Damn. And so it's like ridiculous. <laughs> So anyway, they pulled all that, dumped it in the backyard and on the back porch. And then I think it was Wednesday. No, it was Tuesday. Christy and the boys were still back in Pennsylvania. And they just got back yesterday. But my, my dad was like, hey, you want me to come out? And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about it for, you know, like, most of the afternoon and then finally as i'm walking around the backyard looking at literally a hundred contractor trash bags full of shit i'm like yeah i think you better come out <laughs> <laughs> so he came out and started basically he started picking through all the bags you know let's see what we could save why not so it looked like a fucking homeless uh, mm. uh camp i mean because Christy had saved, you know, baby clothes and all this shit. We had yeah, blankets sure. and coats and, yeah. I'm sure there's stuff like that that it's, you know, it's probably well past due. You probably should have donated it a yes. long time ago. But, yes. you know, at least now it's out of the house. But I'm well, there's, sure there's stuff down there, like, you know, I don't know if there's pictures down there, stuff like that, that you're not going to be yeah. able to replace. That's just We a, had maybe, maybe like one small little thing of photos but for the most part everything we have is digital even our boys yeah. you know like it's all digital and so, this is a push if you guys are out there and you don't have your you know your valuable pictures backed up on a hard drive yes. somewhere above ground maybe don't don't store the, the, cloud, the hard drive down yeah. in the basement but yeah it's it's definitely worth just taking the extra yeah. time and like backing it up somewhere here's to make what, sure here's you don't a good get one. lost like this so we had a filing cabinet mostly just full of instruction manuals and assembly instructions and that kind of shit from things like the furnace you know and all that shit's on the internet now but sure so my my old man was sifting through bags and he's like oh this is all that filing cabinet i said i'll be honest i can't think of anything in there that couldn't be replaced with a google search and he's like all right so he sets that aside well he got through all the bags and he got a wild hair and he's oh, i'm just gonna check through here just really quick starts digging through finds an entire folder $1,200 worth of savings bonds. <gasps> <laughs> I 
I was like, you gotta be shitting me. We didn't even remember we had the damn thing. Oh my God. My, my <laughs> mom, like when I was a kid, would buy a couple of savings bonds. Wait you know, a second. For, they're, they're already old enough where they'd be fungible. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're, yeah. Cash they were in, baby. From let's the let's 80s, pay off some you know? of this. Pay oh, off I know. Some, from the 80s, dude. You've made money on this. Go cash it in and maybe pay for this whole well, thing. I, I was laughing because I was like, do they even sell fucking savings bonds anymore? You know, it used to be like a patriotic thing. Yeah. But now ain't nobody CDs got enough now. faith in the government, you know? <laughs> what was that, Jeremy? Probably just have CDs now instead of, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, savings bonds were actually, you, you purchased them from the federal government. So it was like a wartime thing, and you could buy savings bonds to, you know, help boost the government and put your show your uh, faith and trust in the government, and and they, I think they were like fifty dollar increments, maybe hundred dollar increments was the highest. All of ours were fifties, but yeah, it was hilarious. He finds that, and then in the same folder is like my birth certificate. Christie's birth certificate, the boys' birth certificates, social security cards. You know, it's like, boy, way to put all your eggs in one fucking basket, genius. And then put that basket <laughs> and put in, it in the, the basement. basement. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Like the last place if your house catches on fire, the right. last place you're going to go is, I'm going to go down to the basement and grab yeah. something out of the file. Yeah. So that's definitely oh a God. lesson learned there. Um, but yeah, yeah it makes me wonder, other, like, Oh, it makes me wonder where my it. it makes me wonder where my birth certificate and social security card and all that fun right? stuff is because yeah, maybe it's in a spot where it probably shouldn't be. Yeah, it definitely taught us that lesson. And then like you said, there's a massive silver lining to it because there there was a lot of shit that we just held on to because we had the room. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, all right, it's time to sell those old skis that I didn't sell when I bought my new ones. And it's time to get rid of the five pair of kids' ski boots that no longer fit our boys and, yeah. you know, clear out all that shit. But, I mean, we had every holiday decoration we owned was down there. Mm. Um, you know, just shit, shit like that. But Looks so like we're going for a refresh this year. Yeah, we're going to do a big remodel, actually, and we've decided to kind of change up the layout down there, and I think it's going to be a lot nicer because it'll give us a much bigger... We had, like, a small TV area room, and then we've got our laundry down there. I had a bar that I had built uh, that was down there with a, a fridge, and then we had a bedroom, and the bedroom wasn't anything fancy. It the only reason it was a bedroom is because I had a bed in it. The rest of it was Jack's Lego collection, <laughs> which we are now up to. I was that kid. To. Fun fact, I was that kid. <laughs> oh, man. So we saved all the instruction booklets or the like as many as we could at some point. You know, I would always have Jack, when he built a set, put the book in a Ziploc bag and then put um, any of those extra pieces that come with it, just throw those in there, too. So you got all that one pack. Well, over time, they came out of the Ziplocs, and they were just stuffed into this piece of shit tote drawer. And those fucking things were all stuck together. They were all mashed up. But I was able to sift through them all, 
spread them all out on our on our dining or dining room table and on the on the uh, kitchen island. Jack has 153 Lego sets that oh I have instruction God. books for. Oh right? my God. And best I can calculate, I don't know, each one has 300 pieces average, right? Mm. So I think we are close to over a half million pieces of Lego. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, there is fucking Lego everywhere. Okay. Everywhere had, you look. I had one big tote of Legos. I never even came close to half a million yeah. Lego pieces. Well, he's, I mean, he's... Jack turned 12 this year, and he yeah. still, still loves to get Lego sets, and his Aunt Megan loves to spoil him with the Lego sets. Sure. And he's got his biggest thing lately was he was building the Harry Potter village, gotcha. and he had a good number of those, but it's just like, dude, I, I really hate to say this, but you're never going to put these back together. No. You know, We've tried that where pull out an instruction book and oh how hard could it be we'll just sift through and find the pieces yeah. oh no you Fuck won't that noise dude <laughs> not a half million pieces of fucking lego you're not gonna sort through oh my god so yeah you can Man. sell those Jeremy. pieces some of those pieces are worth oh yeah good money it's crazy i believe it he had some sets like the what is it the benny spaceship or something that they don't make anymore you know Ooh. so it yeah, yeah. It, it it definitely stuff like that you know it's like that's when I look at like all the other shit it's just things you know yeah. but if it's something that mattered to the boys then it's like yeah that it, it, it is a bummer for but. sure jeremy your shop is in your basement is this making you wonder like maybe i should find mm. a place above ground to put all of my tools well my shop's outside remember i told you uh in six feet my door is four four inches out of plumb <gasps> Oh, oh, I thought I thought you were, I, were you once down in your basement working? Nope. Oh, I mean, all, all my leather <laughs> well, work is downstairs. Different, Jeremy. Well, no, I can't I imagine. Think, I, can't I think imagine that's what it was. Is is uh, Jeremy was doing a live, or maybe he jumped in on my live stream. He was down in a basement working on some piece of leather, so it stuck in my mind. Yeah. Jeremy works in his basement. Could you I moved all the my grinder uh, dust in my basement. Hey, oh, man, Lord. some people do that. Yeah, they uh, do. I, I know a lot of guys that have basement wood shops, and I, I, yeah. I like to work at all hours. So, honestly, I can't imagine having anything but a detached shop. That, And my shop's so soundproof because it's concrete block walls, and I can be out there ripping, you know, ripping shit on the fucking table saw and nobody hears it. But I did I can, move. Oh, go ahead. I can walk to one side of my house, spit out the window and hit the neighbor's house, and then walk to the other side of the house and spit out that side and hit that neighbor's house. So yeah. for me for me to work out no, back at the wee hours is difficult. Tricky, yeah. yeah, I was going to ask, how are the neighbors when you're forging? Um, without getting too deep into it, one side's really cool, one side's not. Hey, <laughs> get deep into it. This is what a podcast is for. Let's let shit talk no. without saying names. I know see, a guy so on Instagram that just spent thousands of dollars to soundproof his shop, but not because of neighbors, because his kid sleeps above his workshop. Oh. You know, like, and I'm thinking, dude, I, that kid would learn to sleep with the yeah. saw running. 
See, I was talking to Todd Harrington a few months ago where he was trying to soundproof his, his shop because his HOA was being an asshole about it. Oh, yeah. 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 See, it's yeah. just one side. They are Our political views are very different, so when it comes uh, down to just anything, uh, it just goes south and... Now the other side, we share we share a lot of the same views, and and they think what I do is really cool, and they're really supportive, and and they just they're all about it. So it's really cool. Isn't that cr- isn't that crazy that like yeah. one little uh, your politics are slightly different, so we can't be friends about anything. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's time to you know reach out with an olive branch and make them a knife and be like, hey, you know, I'm gonna make you this, and you're gonna Let's shut up about me. Let's cut through the shit. Yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I already did that. <laughs> what? You what? made them a knife you and they're still bitching about it? They're still dickheads? Bullshit. Write them off. Oh my god, those are just assholes. It's not just politics. They're yeah. those guys are assholes. Yeah, they're they're pretty it's, much written off. It's fine. Oh my I would demand my knife back. Uh, and I would be forging at all fucking hours of the night. Let them Oh bitch. my god, you made them a knife and they're still mad when you're working. I'm just Cock glad it wasn't Damascus. Ungrateful bastards. They're like, they're like, you know, it'd be really cool to have a Damascus one. And I'm like, you guys yeah. can't give me the time of day. It'd be really cool if you weren't such a fucking dickhead. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't even imagine. The gall. Try not to. It's, it's not it's not a good time. Oh my no. goodness. I'll tell you, I moved all my leather work stuff, so when I worked a desk job uh part of our addition we added a second floor to our house five years ago now and part of that was to get another bedroom and to get another bathroom but another part was to get an office like a home office proper setup so i didn't have to work at the kitchen table anymore well i no longer have to sit in front of a computer for my day job because my retirement was finally approved so i'm officially retired from the forest service um which is awesome and uh moved all my leatherwork stuff up to where my old office was and man so nice so nice to be able to work on leather work in the air conditioning you know with a nice big table i got my old desk was one of those uh, push button adjustable height stand up desk things. <laughs> nice. But I put an old dining room table on it. It was my parents' dining room table. It's just pine. But uh, I put that on the top instead of the piece of shit top that was on it when I got it. So now I got this big old dining room table to work at and it goes up and down. And, and I got a new sewing machine. Yeah, man. That's a huge upgrade. It's a 75-year-old singer, uh, 29K patcher, but baby, that thing's going to come in clutch. Yeah, Forget because that. before, you were, you were making all of those leather products, being your leather aprons and your wallets, all hand-stitched. I always thought, yeah. like, dude, this guy's going to burn out so quick on this because yeah. hand-stitching that much is bullshit. I've been in the all market for one. and oh, What's up? All my stuff's hand-stitched. Well, I'll hand stitch. I'll still, I will still hand stitch wallets and sheaths and you know stuff like that. A hundred percent. But a whole apron. But an apron, where the apron becomes a pain in the ass to hand stitch is the take the chest pockets for example. You've got 
18 inches of leather between where you need to stitch and the edge. So, so nine, having all that shit that. bunched up, yeah, it's just, it's a royal pain in the ass. Though. No, I Because you're I always understand. It, flipping it the apron. You can't see the hole unless you flip it over. So basically, every stitch, you have to flip the whole fucking apron. It becomes a pain. But I got the sewing machine. Uh, my old man found it out in Michigan. He was out there fishing, and a buddy nice. of his had a couple of them and he's like hey you know anybody that wants a sewing machine he's like you're damn right we do so yeah, they trucked sure. they trucked it back from that fishing trip and it was back in pa and then when i was back there this summer i boxed it up and shipped it out but i still i'm still tweaking it and playing with it to try to get it tuned up but i met somebody here in boise that works on them so i'm gonna send it over to them and have them get it all you know, tuned in and tuned up, and I got a good ha good handful of apron orders in sitting right now that I gotta produce and get out. And ben, I feel like we need like a full shop tour for your shop on your YouTube. Because I think you've got, I'm gonna... you've got your little shop that is so interesting to look at from all angles because you have things on the wall in every single spot, oh, and man. now you've got that leather working area. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's enough to do a whole shop. Tour. I got my eyes on the basement next. <laughs> no that would be fun to do a shop tour i've never done one and and the shop actually out of everything at home right now the workshop's the cleanest so i could you do know it. i thought about <laughs> i thought about doing a shop tour but uh decided it would only fit on a short on youtube so i passed on that. <laughs> yeah. i was about to make the same joke <laughs> well my my shop's not very big but like you were saying because like i've got 25 pounds of shit crammed into that five pound bag i mean it yeah. just i've got so much stuff in that small space it's almost ridiculous yeah jeremy and i could make a tiktok you know shop where <laughs> you can do like a full half an i don't hour. know though you could get interesting you know like some shop tours here's where i keep you know, my wood like, here's where i keep my wood yeah. here's where Here's where my files go. Some are like, they just tell you every tool they have. And it's like, yeah. I don't really give a shit about your tools. Tell me why you have it where you have it. Or yeah. like, what do you, what's unique about your workflow that you have these tools or, you know, stuff like that. So Jeremy, that, that leads me to ask you, if you were to take everything out of your shop and have to replace it, would you replace it in the exact same spot that you have it in now? Or would you... Do you know, like, if, are you looking back like, oh, I should have put my drill press here, or oh, I should have put my grinder here. Is there anything that you would change up with your, you know, feng shui? No, because I think for the space I have, because I have to double, like, my, it's a, sh it's a, it's, it's my shop, but it's also where we store outdoor things. So, mm. it, you know, I still only have half of my actual space to work in. And so mm. when I built it, I pretty much had all of my tooling already. I had to add a little bit for my uh, heat treat oven. And so I wish I would have made that section a little longer. Uh, but I mean, otherwise yeah. like everything it has its home and it stays because I don't, I don't really have a choice. So no, See, I think my I'd layout keep it all changes. The same. My layout changes so much. I mean, in general, the big things like the table saw stays where it's at and, but 
most of my stuff I put on wheels and pull out, you know, like the planer pulls out, it's on wheels. The drum sander pulls out, it's on wheels. Um, the bandsaw, now I got a, I got a new uh, Grizzly bandsaw and it's on wheels and it just kind of roams around wherever, it, you know, push it and wherever it goes, that's where it stays. But I don't know if, that's an interesting thought exercise though, become, because knowing me, if you took everything out of my shop tomorrow, I wouldn't, I would not put it back in the same way, but not because I'm unhappy with the layout, just because that's my nature, right? I would <laughs> be like, there's gotta be some way to improve the way I had it, you know, get more space somehow. I'm always looking for that one extra square foot of empty wall space or floor space or, you know, what about yeah, you, Brian? Sure. Well, I'm in the same boat as you where there's there it's only eight foot by sixteen foot and I'm in the same situation where the, the shed itself is eight foot wide and it's probably right around twenty five foot deep, but I only get my portion of it because the other side is is storage for Emily's grandma. So, you know, it would be really cool to be able to tear down my middle wall and just be able to have the entire floor space to, you know, have another yeah. table or have another spot to, you know, put my forge away from I was going to say, what tool or, would you get? Would you get another tool? you get a new tool? Another grinder? Mm, so, I f yeah, definitely I would run out 220 out there and get a, a heat treating oven. That would be the biggest yeah. upgrade, and that would be, like, you know, god tier for sure. But um, other than that, you know... I feel like it's such a small cramped space where it's like you can put the belt grinder instead of on this side of the table, it'll be on this side of the table, and it wouldn't make much of a difference. So see, I me, feel like I would just leave it the same. See, for me, like if I had a bigger shop, though, like it's not like stuff would be more spread out. Like, because I feel yeah. like I stat yeah. stuff, like my where my heat treat oven is, is also doubled as a I turn it into a rack to hold all my tooling arms. So, like, my small wheel attachment, mm -hmm. my eight inch wheel, my uh, platen when I'm not using it, my work rest, and it's just, it, stuff is crammed more or less. So if I had a bigger shop, it would just be more spread out and user friendly. That's the other thing is yeah. like, I find myself with, you know, I'm working on, let's say I'm working on, you know, one batch of knives, but I'm finishing up halfway through the day. Well, it'd be really cool to be able to start a whole nother batch, but my entire table is, yeah, your you space know, is full. my face yeah. is, my space is so filled up that I literally could not start on something else because I'd have to be working on top of the batch that I'm currently working yep. on. And you can't move it around where, you know, if you have a situation like Jeremy, G oh shoot, how do you say his last name? Gortz from yep. a simple little life where he just got this giant, I mean, he it has to space. be acres large <laughs> instead yeah. of instead of in, instead of measured by feet his shop space is me measured acres, by acres hectares right but i'm with you though like i think about that all the time and and the inefficiency of a small space right especially with like woodworking if i'm building a bigger piece of furniture there's sort of a natural flow kind of like there is with knife making you know like I'll bring in, I'll bring in rough cut lumber. I'm going to joint it. I'm going to plane it, you know, get it down to thickness, get it all straight. I'm going to want to rip it on the table saw. Every one of those operations for me requires a new shop arrangement. 
I got to yeah. pull the planer out and I got to make sure nothing's in the way and I can run all the boards through there. And then I got to push that in and pull the jointer out. And so to have machines set up with enough space around them to do, you know, the operation they're intended to do with any size material, that's huge. That's that a massive be, time saver. That'd be a game changer. And that's why we need to go down to Brian's shop and just like, yes. you know wreak havoc over there for a little bit hells yeah or just be, get bigger shops gonna be claustrophobic <laughs> when i get back to my house <laughs> yeah, that's i'm always damn, amazed sure. yeah i'm always amazed it, like this summer i was gone for three four weeks you know back east in pennsylvania and every time i come back and walk into my shop my first thought is oh my god it's smaller than i remember yeah. <laughs> you know, because when you're in there and you're doing shit, you, you, your head just kind of adjusts to the space. But you don't ever think like the the furthest I ever walk in my shop is five steps because Man, if I'm I walked any further, way, I hit the wall. Step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, wild. Sure. Well, boys, I think we'll call this guy a show. Yeah, we got the music going. I Ooh. I appreciate you, Jeremy, for jumping on. Yeah, I, man. We've Thank always you. wanted to get you on. We've been scheduling it a couple of times, and hey, we finally made it happen. Thanks for Hell jumping yeah. on, man. I and I apologize it. for I... all my. Go ahead. No, I just I really appreciate my time here and been really looking forward to this. So, thank you, guys. If you're out there yeah. listening jump on his raffle for the first 24 yeah. hours ten dollars a ticket fill that baby up get get those 30s tickets sold because after after the one day it's going to go up to 15 dollars, and you know you've missed the boat so guys mm-hmm. we appreciate you guys listening i've been brian Cohn. i appreciate you guys here we've got ben butler on the mic we've got jeremy ballaball we'll see you guys later have a great rest of your day whoa yeah Hey, really quick, go to Flying Shark Knives. Also, there is a fundraiser for Tommy. (laughs) I hit the mark perfect, Ben. You screwed it up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was perfect. Well, it's still recording, right? Yes, it is. Okay. (laughs) I feel bad because I should have done this earlier. Sorry. Uh, It's okay. Uh, Flying Shark Knives, what's going on? There's a fundraiser going on for Tommy over at Crooked River Forge. For folks that don't know Tommy's story, spend a few minutes and learn about it. Um, the guy has battled cancer, oh, really, really miserable cancer that uh, he found out is terminal. So, oh, uh, no. Flying Sharks trying to raise some money for him just to make whatever time he's got left easier and help his family you know during and after and all that stuff i'm donating donating an apron there's about a dozen other guys that are donating things from knives to you name it uh 10 bucks to support tommy and get a chance to win a prize or prizes i don't remember exactly how it works but go check out flying shark knives he makes some awesome handle skills and you can hit him up on how to uh, how to get ten bucks over to him, just to help Tommy. Tommy was on Forged and Fire, I think, at one point. Uh, but just awesome, awesome guy, and just absolutely sucks. Yeah, but, it's it's sad to hear it, but I'm glad that the community is coming together to 
raise yeah. some money to help him out. I'm sure there's medical bills that will need to be paid. So yeah, yeah. So get your sure. twenty out, give ten to Tommy, and give t- ten to Jeremy, and make the world a better place. Goodbye, See you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, y'all. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Work for it, baby. <laughs> <laughs>